I'd like to welcome you to WCPT AM's Out Chicago. Think of us as Sunday brunch with your gay best friends. Now, please welcome your host, Scott Duff. And a happy Sunday fun day to everybody out there. Welcome to Out Chicago. Scott Duff here along with Ellen Miller. Hello, Scott. Hello, Ellen. Welcome back. Welcome back to you, too. Thank you. Thank you. We're back in the studio. We took Mexico by storm. We did take Mexico by storm. Independently. In, in different places yes. in Mexico. Yes. And, and now we're back. And yes. it's Women's History Month. It is. It's, uh-huh. it's a new month since we were on last. Uh, yeah, that's bananas. <laughs> yes, it is. And it, it, uh, this weather. I love it. I love it's it too. It's to creeping me home. out. It's creeping me well, out. I know. There's that. Not gonna. Not gonna lie. There's all the negative things that go with uh, having these unseasonably warm temperatures. But we'll, yeah. we'll concentrate on the positive right now. Okay. Sure, sure. <laughs> Let's can. do that. I will say I'm happy for the sunshine because usually oh. February is just like oh, it's fantastic. It's, I mean, this is just. I feel like we've come home to like April or something. I know it's. Certain, I think all the plants are thinking that too, and yeah, I'm just I waiting saw, for that I other saw, foot to drop. I saw that. Yeah, you know, the foot or shoe. I, yeah, a whole, maybe shoe. a whole foot. Maybe actually a maybe whole foot. This, for this case, we'll say the foot you know, and, and the shoe. And oh, lady, and what a. What a week to come home from vacation. Well, yeah, <laughs> There's I, like everything. I'm still catching up because I got home close to midnight yeah, last night. So there I'm still a, catching up. There was a lot going on. I know, a lot catch to up unpack now. and everything. Uh, you know, uh, J- uh, Judge Jill Rose Quinn is going to be joining us to talk about uh, SCOTUS yeah. taking up the presidential immunity case, anti-trans mm-hmm. legislation in the wake of the death of Next Benedict and all things legal. We're so happy to have her on to kind of like, let's just explain everything. Let's, yeah. let's just look People at this. People need to hear the explanation. Yes. And, and our friend, uh, Ginger Minge, yes. uh, she is launching the Big Gay Cabaret, which is a new monthly series at the Venus Cabaret Theater at the Mercury Theater. Love that space. Mm, it's so it great. It's great. Uh, and first up on their show is Jay Rodriguez. Uh, you may know Jay as the culture vulture from the original Queer Eye for the Straight Guy. Mm-hmm. Yes. We get, uh, we're going we're gonna to chat with him. Ooh, exciting. I'm very excited about that. Did you watch the original Queer Eye? I, I watched some of it, yes. Okay. I did see some of it. For me, it was, it, it was religion, you know? It was like, I had to watch it. Yeah. It was such a huge, huge, huge oh, game yeah. changer. It was for a lot of people. I know. So I'm, I'm going to annoy him by talking a lot well, about that. He won't be annoyed. He'll be I know. He'll be very flattered and everything. But, uh. So we'll be chatting with uh, Jay Rodriguez uh, in the second hour. And you were still on vacation. Yes. And I had a lucky opportunity. So like Mrs. Doubtfire, the, the new musical comedy that's now playing at Broadway in Chicago. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, we love the movie. Yeah. Hysterical. Loved it. Heartfelt. Great. It's a story about a dad who will do anything to be with his kids. Aww. And I was lucky enough to catch up with one of those kids, uh, Giselle Gutierrez. Um, who is on tour with the show. It's her first professional gig. We had a fabulous conversation. I really wish that you were oh, able to. Yeah. I had to scooch in a little bit early because she wasn't available today. I understand. Um, so we recorded our conversation, but I think you would have loved her because she's uh, she's a fellow musician, singer-songwriter. Oh, and wow. one of the ways that she's kind of like dealing with being on the road 
uh, is she brings her guitar with her everywhere, and she I can writes. Relate. I know, I know, I know. We chatted briefly about that, so uh, we'll catch up on that conversation. Uh, also, in, in the second, I can't hour. wait to hear. Yeah, it. yeah, yeah. And of course, we would love to hear from you. So give us a call at 773-763-9278. That number again is 773-763-9278. Of course, you can find us on Facebook, where we are coming at you live. Just head on over to the Out Chicago Radio page, and while you're there, give us a click and a like and a share and all that good stuff. But if that doesn't float your boat, you can always tune in on WCPT. 820. And while you're at it, follow WCBT and Heartland Signal on all the socials, on the Facebook, on the X. Would that be Zitter? Zitter. Zitter. Instagram and the TikTok. And I think we're actually doing, we've got a live stream on the on the Zitter, I think, right now, too. On X. So there we are. If you're listening to us on the Zitter... There we are. Hello. Excellent. Hi there. Hello. I guess listening, Hello. you're not seeing. You're listening. No, they're being, I, I think the video is going on. It's oh, crazy. You know, I know. the video is going. There's, there's, <laughs> there's the camera over here. Yeah, I'm well, like, it happens. I'm trying to get it up here right there, now. That's all right. We are on vacation. It's fine. It's going to be a little wonky. <laughs> <laughs> you know, how, how are you doing, Ellen Miller? How was your trip? Oh, it was horrible. I know. It I was went to a horrible there. place. Uh-huh. I met horrible people. I had a horrible time. Oh, well, thank you for suffering through No, uh, You know, we love our little visit to Mexico, our annual trip. We go to this island. I'm not going to say the name. is getting too crowded. But um, it's like going home because we know the same people come to the resort where we stay uh-huh. the same weeks every year. Okay. It's just, it's not a timeshare or anything. It's just, no, oh, just, like just a hotel. A resort, yeah, yeah, hotel yeah, there we go. On the beach. And it's like, it's like a fam. It's like I used to tease my parents. My parents bought timeshare years ago. Right. Why do you go to the same place? You see the same people, and here I am. You're doing late. the exact <laughs> same like my thing. version of a timeshare. Because well, it's also like your blues cruise. It's like the same people. That a lot of the same people. You know, you know people like familiarity. I, uh, but there are nice people there. We know them. We know the waiters. I know all the musicians in town. I walk down the streets. God, I'm so fortunate. I. I get a wave and a come on in and jam. I played her. I played every, I think virtually every single night. Maybe one night I didn't. Out of 12 nights I was there. Uh-huh. Played multiple evening, multiple venues in an evening. Uh, and then the last night I was there was really sweet. Uh, all the, we know a lot of expats that either live down there full time or go for the winter. And they all gathered at a bar. I said, I'm probably going to sit in with this band and it's my last night. There were literally like 30 people that showed up. Wow. And then the band was, you know, they, it, I have to, I'm at their mercy, of course. I'm right. sitting in. But th- there were some older folks in the crowd. Some of them are retired. And they live down there. They live there for the winter. Like, Ellen. They, I'm oh, like, oh, no. Jesus. Now I'm feeling, oh, I, no. I mean, I was both flattered and embarrassed. Yeah. At the same time. And the ba- they were laughing. They go, she's coming on on the next song, everybody. <laughs> Just chill out. And uh, I got up and I, I, you know, I did, unfortunately, most of the Mexican bands know when they see a harmonica, they go, blues, Roadhouse Blues by the Doors, which I know, of course. Right. But I probably played it 25 times in the course of 12 days. Right. Um uh, the place went nuts. People were da- standing up on the bar, videoing everywhere. All right. Drunken women were like, you know, 
going crazy. Mm-hmm. I will just leave that okay, at that. Well, I want to know what that means. Yeah, I'll talk to you in the oh, break okay. about that. Ooh, oh, mm, you know. all right. But anyway, who doesn't like that happening? I know, right? Vacation. That's amazing. That's like you're... you're... And, yeah, it's like, I mean, they know me. I've been going for years. So yeah, it's like I go there. I'm, I'm like a big fish in a little pond there, you know. Love it. Um, and it's just great. People are the weather was superb, and I feel very fortunate uh, to have been there. And and had another great, pretty much perfect trip. Love it. Yeah, I love it. So tell me about your trip. Oh my, look, we did nothing. And I, that's like us. I we am didn't do basically anything. veal. Mm-hmm. Now I did not move. My yeah. muscles have atrophied, and I did I'm now swim delicious. A, almost a mile uh, every day in the ocean. Oh, all right. So that for, I did for some do, reason I, where we were, uh, we were closer to Tulum. Yeah, it's a little. You a know, little the weather can be different. The, the weather was different. Well, the weather was amazing, but the water was like cold. Hmm. We couldn't even when it. you got right. I mean, it feels a little chilly right at first, but once you get in, it's pretty darn nice. No, uh, it was a little cold. Okay. A little cold. Okay. Uh, but except for the, like our, our final day, but it's like we. The hardest decision was like, okay, so we got up to the pool or the ocean. Yeah, we you know, <laughs> would go. We would like have breakfast, and then we would go to the beach and sit there for a couple hours, and then we'd go grab some food, and we'd move to the relaxation pool. Although the first time we went to the relaxation pool, which is great, this place. Was incredible. the The actual like the resort was. Do you know the name of it? No, yes, Secrets. Uh, uh, oh, you were at Secrets. We were at the Secrets uh, Akumal. Yeah, they're everywhere. Yeah, oh, you were in Akumal. Akumal. Okay. Yeah. So we were we were about an hour outside of Cancun, mm-hmm. about twenty minutes outside of north of of Tulum. Of Tulum. Um, it was beautiful. Like it was a newer place. Secrets, I think it had been yeah. there up for like 11, about eleven years. It's a Hyatt uh, kind mm-hmm. of situation. It's it was beautiful. I'm sure they be, and look, they I've been to stuff. a lot of these like all inclusive mm-hmm. places. Some are, mm-hmm. all of them are were are just fine, but this one for some reason like they the attention to detail the actual grounds of the place like they brought the jungle into the resort. So they like, like living uh, living wall or that. Like of, of plants and things, kinda. I mean, but it was just, no, it was just like jungle all around you. There were no yeah, straight you were kind of in a jungle. Yeah, yeah, there were no straight paths oh. anywhere. So everything was kind of like a circuitous yeah. route and and stuff. The first night we got there, just as like the sun was setting, and we. I think we had 12,000 steps that day just Already. because we could not figure out how to, anything, get, to, your place. How to get where everything <laughs> is. Uh, but it was like it was a great time, you know. Uh, Resort living is just so weird. It's very, very bizarre. And you get like this group of people, you kind of like see people and then they, you know, disappear in in the week. Yeah, new people come. And new people come. Um, Did you make any friends? Any new friends? No. 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 That, see, you're much better about stuff like that. I just like, I don't want to talk to people. Like I talk to people all the time. Well, we try not to talk to people, but they've come to know us over the years. So... Well, I mean, that's what you're saying. Come up to our chair and you know they talk, and it's nice because we like them. But it's like, after a certain group came the second week, we never got to read our books again. Oh no, boo! But yeah, it is an interesting. I have not really done all inclusives, but I know your friend. You know, she. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what she does, and she's got a travel agency. Yeah, so somehow still alive. Heck, you know, I mean, people love them. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was great, but it's also like, it's very strange. I think there is something, well, it's, yeah, do you, I always have a moment of panic 
before going to one of those in terms of being a gay man uh, headed there. Uh, I have a moment of like, oh, okay, what can I, because we went to one place and it was literally Trump's America was like, there's a in lot the of Trump. Pool. There's a lot of uh, a lot of people from Texas and yeah. the South. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the outskirts of you know, not, they're from Minnesota, but not necessarily from Minneapolis. Yeah, there's, people that are from like the non-cities. I can tell you, there we didn't talk politics with any of them because we know what their politics are. Oh yeah, well I. I didn't. We didn't have to talk politics yeah, to know what their politics were, you know. And actually, there was one day when we went to the relaxation pool the first day. And I'm like, "Oh, this is very nice." And I looked around. I'm like, "Um, you know, we're here with all the seniors. Like, it was <laughs> there was no young person." There. Well, especially it's this time of year because it's not quite spring break and. People have kids, or younger people have kids, they're not going to be there if they have kids. It's all retired people that are there. Yeah. Our, our place was the same. Almost well, everybody's retired that was staying at our hotel. There were a lot of the, that sort of thing, but just in this particular pool, like the, the yeah. quiet pool, the relaxation yeah. pool, it was nothing but seniors. I'm like, okay, well, there we are. But there was one that, uh, because while we were there, I believe it came out, like the, the list leak of potential Trump VP picks. Oh, I didn't see that. And so, mm-hmm. But they were like, there was a group that was like, I think from Michigan, they were just like, they're all talking about like who Trump should pick and who, what they need and like going through this whole thing. And I was like, ugh. They were talking uh, about, you heard them talking about it? Yeah, they were all talking. There was like a uh, larger group of them and they were all talking about it. So I just rolled over and I, for some reason on my phone, I just decided I'm, I'm going to open up some gay porn. Uh, <laughs> just put, <laughs> That's one way. Just to had some gay porn, deal with it just all. playing like underneath my chair, you know, while they were talking. I had to clear the air or something, you know. Uh, yes, you needed to cleanse your palate. Yes, 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 yes. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I hear. Yeah, but I always have a moment of trepidation of like, because mm. you know, before I left, I like took my friend out. I'm like, hey, let's go get petties. So like, you know, I've got my my Lincoln Park after dark on my toesies. Mm-hmm. I brought a caftan. Mm-hmm. I had a cute little swimsuit, and mm-hmm. it's really ever a moment to be like, okay, what? Mm. Can I wear? Mm. Yeah, as a as a gay man, as I think a gay it's a man, it was as really gay, hard. As a, as a you know lesbian, I mean, I just looked like everybody else. Yeah, so it was just like a moment of kind of like, and I always have a moment of panic yeah, to be like, okay, how can how I that? deal with this? It was like that one time, you know, as we were pulling up, she's like, oh, by the way, I think we're at a couples resort, and it was literally because my, my friend room, yeah. Judith and I, we've gone on vacations sure. many times together, um, and it was literally called couples resort, so. <laughs> And whenever we travel, she's always, you know, Mrs. Duff, uh, and I'm, or I'm Mr. Iruli. It's like it's it's, it's assumed that you're a man assumed, and a woman in your yeah. couple's resort. You're gonna assume that you're a couple. Uh, yeah, but, it, but but this wasn't necessarily a couple. It was just I don't know. There's always a moment of like. Ugh. Did you have any explaining to do? Did anybody like say so? Are you guys? Were people curious and say so? Are you guys a couple? Are you friends? Are you married? Did anybody ask? Oh you that? yeah, everybody. Yeah, I, I mean, they all ask that. Uh-huh. What are you celebrating? Like I don't know, life. Like we're just <laughs> we're here getting out of Chicago. But there, it, it's, yeah, I don't know. It's, like, I think it's, it's an different for, for, for men. I still think it's different for men. Well, and you know. given this climate, the, the political climate that we're in, it's oh, like, it's, yeah. it's always, I don't, I, I hate that I have a moment of panic. I do too. Before you're not alone. Going there, yeah. There's a lot of people that feel that. We have an, a, two guys from Winnipeg that we met years ago. They're a couple. They've been together as long as Kathy and I have been together. They stay at the resort next door where we used to stay. 
and they come over to our, you know, we go to that. And people are all pretty, well, this East Level we go, see, it's not an all-inclusive. Right. So I think you get a little different crowd. Um, oh, yeah, 100%. You know, yeah, and so they were, people, have, oh, yeah, we know your friends. We've met, we've seen them over the, you know, the years. Um but we got some drunk comment the other night from one of the women from Minnesota said, you know, we're straight. We just, we don't see people like you very often. I'm like, huh? huh? You mean gay people? I don't know if she meant musicians or yeah, what the yeah, hell yeah. she was talking about. You know, like, and, and you know, and we don't, we just don't know anybody that's gay. We don't have any gay, we don't know anybody that's gay. And I go, well. You probably do. You probably do. You yeah. probably do, but you know they. For them, it was like fun for them to be around different people. So I'm glad that they looked at it that way. Yeah, I guess so. You know, uh, yeah, because this place where we go, my old boss who likes going to real upscale resorts in Cancun, mm-hmm. he went over for the day to Isla where we stay, and he never forgetting us. Well, we went. My, my wife and I went over there, and we, we just don't really get it. And we just don't really get it. Well, because it's a casual, laid back, you know, not fancy. There are a couple of fancy places yeah. there, but you know, it's it's people stay in small hotels in town and then go to the public beach. But that's okay because if you don't get it, we don't. Then want it's you to fine. Come. Yeah, go over there. Yeah, go to that all inclusive with Scott. Is. Yeah, yeah. And stay with him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, or. Mm. Only if he's cool. It's but Ma- like, it you was know, Michael it- Damsky. Oh. <laughs> he's on a big trip right now. He's on, yeah, he's on a great trip. No, and he's a different, but it's just, it's not for everybody. I, the point, people that like to have everything kind of sanitized for their, you know, enjoyment, you're going to find it. All well, you know, versus- there's something like, I will say, I'm giving a big old shout out to the, the staff at Secrets Akumal. The staff is always one. The Mexican oh, people are so Oh my nice. They work gosh. so hard. They busted their they but I mean, so nice because there were like every like about four nights a week there were like different theme nights and they would set up these giant like Tables and- t- buffets and things and stage like at the pools and like set up a stage in the pool and like they were always working working really hard and like y'all are amazing they it, it was just it was lovely and I think what's really kind of I think what is appealing to like a Trump voter about uh, an all-inclusive resort is that feeling of... Everybody looks the same. Well, mm, a little bit that everybody looks the same, but I think there's something about... It is seems to me like it is the promise that that ding dong has you know try, you know it's like this this vision of a of a lifestyle mm. you know of like oh I'm like mm-hmm. everything is being taken care of and I all my whims are being catered to and there's something that I think, I mean, I get a lot out of it. I'm like, that just feels so nice. Yeah. And I can just see how that is very appealing, appealing to, to, them. to folks, you yeah. know, like that. Um, I don't know. It was, there was a bunch of like, yeah. Th- so I, there were some yahoos that nothing ever happened, but right. there were like some yahoos, definitely some looks. Because, you know, when I, we ended up going out, there were some weird, fun- <laughs> have you ever been to a silent disco? Hell no. <laughs> What the hell is that? It was silent disco. Yes, it was this place. It was outside. Are you pantomiming or no? It was outside, and everybody had heads wireless headsets on. It was oh, a way so to keep not to disturb others. To disturb other people, and you could like change. Oh. There were three different DJs, so you could like 
click your your headsets to go into whatever DJ. And we stumbled upon it, literally stumbled upon it, because with us it was a race for like skin damage and liver damage. Like which one are we gonna get first? A little bit of both, I think, with okay. our trip. But uh, we stumbled upon it, and you just see this group of people who all have these headsets on, and they're just like just moving around you're like what is going on that's funny so we put we were like let's do it Why so not? we had a really great time and they ended up going dancing and there were like this german couple you know that i ran into and they were just lovely and we were all just having a fun time and like you can't really talk to anyone when you're doing it. Well, no, well, no, you can't. But they, a lot of people were like, eh, giving you a thumbs up, and they're looking because you, a lot of hand signals, a lot of hand signals, and your headset glows as oh. to like which DJ you're listening to. Oh, you can listen to different DJs. There are three different Wait, ones. So yeah. that means people are dancing to all different beats. Yeah, so there are different oh. beats that are happening. It's so oh, weird. It's so correct. weird. But like when I dance, I have a, I have fun. Right. It's what it's like. I just go whole. It's a full body experience. There we are. We continue the party on, but the the disco desires was the name of the little yeah. disco. I called it Desiree's. Like, well, we're going to go up to Desiree's and, and hang out. A and more then, personal that way. All right, and then the next day I ran into some people who were at Desiree's. They were German, and they uh -huh. were like, you went to disco last night, weren't you? And I'm like, I was. You guys were there, too. He's like, yes, you were. You make fun faces when you move. Ah, <laughs> like, they really, oh, right. they saw you. you. They, they saw me. Saw you. They saw me. So it was lovely. It was a great time. Like it was restorative. Like I said, it, I basically so became veal. I read two books. What did you read? Uh, you uh, share? Well, yeah, well, I'll share it later on okay. in the show. But yeah, I've, two books: The Gunkle, which is great, and Save Me the Plums by Ruth Reichel. Oh, I love Ruth Reichel. I know you do. Uh, We've uh, talked about her yeah, before. Yeah, we'll. Um, I was trying to read uh, the Barbara Streisand, uh, listen to the Barbara Streisand book. I, I got several hours in. Okay. I loved it. I love it. All right. I can't wait to hear more of it next year when I travel again. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you just, just that one time a year. I never have time to put a book in. And at night I lay down and I do it, you know, going to bed. And I'm like asleep and, you know, and then I have to go back and figure out what Where, did I hear what, last? Because uh -huh. it played for like hours while I was sleeping. Or you could just read a book. I suppose. Is Barbara reading it to you? Barbara is reading it. Oh, okay. And there's well, nothing good. better than hearing then Barbara I would talk not to love you. have Barbara in it's my ears. It's right up there with Michelle Obama when she read to me. Oh, yeah. That's amazing. Or Lucinda Williams when she read to me. Look, all these, all these or ladies. Or Brandy Carlisle when all she read to me. All these ladies in your head. I love it. It's amazing. For women's you know, history. Women's history month. There we go. Look, we've cleaned, we oh, shot well. past a break, but uh, we should probably take a break. Uh, and we will talk about things that are. Yes, of a little bit more. <laughs> Other than our vacations? Than our vacation. Oh, come on, listeners. Don't you want to hear more? Look, no, I have the <laughs> perfect, I know exactly how to get a good tan. I will you tell you my, my tan secret. This is faded. So mm -hmm. it's all about the first three days you wear the 30 sunscreen. You do 30 intense. You limit your time in the sun. You flip over. Like if you have your ear, I've listened mm -hmm. to music. So mm -hmm. like every four songs, I would flip. Oh. Do that a couple times, then go hide like under an steak. umbrella, mm -hmm. like a steak. Mm -hmm. Yeah, then hide under an umbrella for a little bit that's and stays in the things, you know. And then by day four, that's when you break out the fifteen sunscreen. I used thirty and fifty the whole time uh, and was under an umbrella. I did. Yeah, well, you were there longer than I was. I was. And there we go. Anyway. Is. Anyway. And that's and that is how that is. That's a good baking method. That is how you get skin sun damage. baking method by that's, Scott Duff. And skin damage. You're welcome. There we are. <laughs> no. But you know. Larry, you look good, though. Thank you. So do you. Thanks. So do you. I like the sun in. 
You know it. I know it. I know it. All right. Uh, we <laughs> should take a break. But before we do that, this part about Chicago is brought to you by Team Hochberg. If you are going through a divorce and have mortgage questions, do what Joe did and call Team Hochberg. Joe said, I've been listening to David for almost 20 years, so I n- knew he's always helping people. He is a great mortgage and financial advisor, but he's an even better person. I'm getting divorced and have no family support. Enter David. I called to secure a HELOC and David immediately returned my call. After explaining my situation, David changed from mortgage lender to caring more about me and my emotional state of mind. He reassured me that everything was going to be all right, and he had my back. What mortgage lender does that? David connected with a divorce attorney on his his show, Julie Gamina for a free consultation. The next couple of months are going to be financially and emotionally challenging, but with David's guidance, I know my situation will improve. David's an excellent mortgage lender and a better person who I highly recommend. Team Hochberg helped Joe and thousands of WCPD listeners, but they can't help if you don't call 855-563-2843 or visit 56david.com. That's 855-563-2843 or 56david.com. Lower.com, equal housing lender, and MLS 1124061. We are going to take a quick break, and when we come back, there's more out of Chicago right after this. Everybody, this is Tanya Richard from Tanya's Take Race, Culture, and the Culture of Race, and you are listening to Out Chicago WCPT. And welcome back to Out Chicago. Scott of here and Ella Miller. We are back from vacation, derived to horribleness. I know, always. I know. I was this is like everything is so wackadoodle these days. Yeah, yeah. I was watching, listening to the norm, watching the. Uh, Morning, Sunday morning shows, and I saw the uh, a poll that shows Trump leading Biden, which, again, it's early, and as Kathy brought up, what's the methodology? Did they call on a phone line? Yeah. I mean, we don't know, but the fact that that somebody as morally depraved as he is is, is, is a leading candidate in this country it's is so just heartbreaking. But it's just hard to wrap your brain around. I don't get it. And like the stuff that's happening on the state levels are like... Equally yeah. as terrifying right. that's going on around there. So right. it's all the more important to get out and vote. At the local levels. Yeah, get at the local vote. levels. Um, so, look, one of the things that's my my sister, my, you know, who lives in Iowa, she uh, she's texting me during my vacation. And I'm like, it's, it's my vacation. About about story, yeah, mm-hmm. things that are happening. So mm-hmm. uh, this past week, Iowa lawmakers they passed a Religious Freedom Restoration Act. It's been a minute since we've had those kind of floating yes. around. Um, that Republicans say will protect Iowans' constitutional right to practice their religion, and Democrats say will allow demonstration against LGBTQ plus Iowans and others. Um, it's true. So basically what they did is, uh, here's Governor Kim Reynolds. She's expected to sign it into law. Uh, she says that the right of religious freedom is endowed upon us by our creator, not government. Our founders recognize this principle, and today the Iowa House took a step forward to protect it. 23 states around the country, both with both Republican and Democrat governors, have passed similar laws. Now it's Iowa's turn. Um now, here's the thing about the Religious Freedom Restoration Acts that are passed 
there's one for the for the whole country and a lot of states have passed individual ones what they are intended to do is to uh make sure that it, like you cannot be discriminated against for practicing your religion that's what it's all about it's so that you can be you know Christian or Muslim or Hindu or Zoroastrian or whatever it is that you want to do that the freedom of religion is is one of the great things about this country that's right you know and it's not a tool to use your deeply held religious belief because there was that phrase again it's coming back deeply held religious beliefs as a way to discriminate uh, yes, against a legal folks. way to discriminate and now this is that is what's happening here and it's it's um it's it's really open in the door for for discriminating against uh, against queer folks my my sister she's texting me like this sure. just happened I'm like this is awful I'm like it oh it, it oh, yeah, is she's in Iowa yeah. she's in Iowa and you know it's all of this you know nowhere did Jesus ever say hate people he didn't endow <laughs> anything to anybody as far as talking to them about the religion the refra that, that everybody should adhere to yeah it's like ridiculous <sighs> it's so and yet it's moving forward you know and that's this is the climate that we're in right now so it's really important that you get out and vote <laughs> you know we're lucky here in illinois we are so lucky here in illinois especially here in chicago where we have protections but this sort of stuff that is not just in iowa but it's popping up all over the place um it's really serious yeah i and you know not kind of a I don't know if it's a non sequitur but a little on the same thought you know they have taken christianity hostage in my opinion they meaning yep. republicans yep and while on vacation last up until yesterday afternoon i see a lot of crosses and i i used to not i just used to think oh they're a christian but now i think other things when i see a giant tattoo of a cross on an arm mm -hmm. giant crosses a lot of i'm noticing more people and part of me wants to like, and i'm not gonna do it i'm like are you a christian who believes in what Christianity is really about? Or are you a freaking right wing hater, Republican hater? Because that sign to me, it's not like a swastika, of course, but no. it, but it is it's, something that I, I, like my I'm like I don't know how to react to people that are wearing crosses anymore, especially on the beach, big crosses or big tattoos, mm -hmm. because it's come to mean something that is uncomfortable for me. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, I hear you. I hear you. It's and I don't. And it's a pity. Like the, again, that is uh, like my sister, the priest. You know, she's been. She's like these people are just like they are are taking the the name Christian and dragging it through the mud. Yes, it's like it's becoming a bad thing, and it's like that's not at all what what Jesus said. <laughs> and while we're at it with talking just about Jesus. Yeah. A Religious Freedom Restoration Act is for all religions, not just Christianity. That means Muslim, Buddhist. It means everybody. How about atheism? That counts. That counts as well. So it's like everybody needs to slow they their roll. They don't see it that way. It's G. It's it's the T. I mean, we've got a we've got a Speaker of the House right now, and Mike Johnson, who feels like he is he's like another one that's like trying to interpret law through religion. Yeah, well, look, look what's happening with Alabama, and they're you know talking about you know I, I, a fetus as a person, right? You I, know, and what does that mean for IVF and all of the like? It's it is 
they've taken it to a level that is scary. That's extreme. And that extreme. is very extreme. Uh, real quick, let's go to the phones. Let's talk to Steve. Uh, welcome. You're on out, Chicago. Yes, and I wanted to point out because this is such an important topic because what we what you have is a fundamental rewriting of American history. Yeah, uh, the founding fathers, with all with all their flaws, were children of the Enlightenment, and they recognized that. For this kind of government to exist, it it has to be this secular divide uh, that you are entitled to practice whatever religion you want. But that is not going to be what defines our public policy and our law. So you cannot turn to the Bible and say, "Okay, I need to be punished because it says it here. No, you need to be punished if the legislature created a law saying that it's a punishable crime, not because somebody interprets it as coming from some sort of religious text. So these people are now reinterpreting, sort of reimagining and rewriting our history. And a lot of people who don't know any better, quite frankly, just fall for this. They they just don't understand that what, uh, you know, that that this is not the case. They think that our founding fathers were a bunch of people who were in church seven days a week and on their knees praying to God. Thomas Jefferson rewrote the Bible and took out all the supernatural nonsense and said, you know what, this has some good ideas in it, but a lot of this other stuff, no, I mean, you know, really not necessary. And let's face it, most people don't know that a lot of these founding fathers were theists. They didn't think God was involved in your life on a day-to-day basis or society, that that was up to us. To yeah. govern ourselves. Yeah. So, yeah, but but again, people don't care. No. You know, they, they live in their little bubble. They'll yep. tune into Fox or whatever else. And some nut who who is nowhere in the in the mainstream of scholarship on this will claim that this is what the founding fathers wanted. Setting aside for a moment the fact that nobody in the in the legitimate research community agrees with them. Yeah, yeah. It's thank you so much for that, Thanks. Steve. Yeah, and it's a really important thing bringing up the separation of church and state. There's another uh, bill that is being proposed in Iowa. There was one that would actually uh, tried to happen in Texas, I believe, but they overturned it. Where they are, um, things are moving through state legislatures that would allow public schools, a public school, to install chaplains for mental health. Uh, issues to like yeah. take care of them. Not so, people that studied mental health. No. So these people are, they're not trained. They are unqualified. Mm. Uh, they're unlicensed. It's very, very dangerous. And so it's, they're taking their worldview and are going to be in public schools to deal with young people. It's scary. Yeah. And it's kind of like this is, um, it's bringing up this whole issue, like you know. Imagine you're familiar with Next Benedict. I case. am, yes. as of yes. this morning when I read up on yeah. that horrible. Yeah, sad yeah. Story. So that could you imagine how? Mu- I mean, it's already horrible, but like, so somebody's being bullied at school mm-hmm. so much so that they eventually died. Mm-hmm. But somebody's being bullied at school, and they go to their counselor, but it's not a counselor; it's a chaplain. And they are saying, well, it's it's your fault because you are acting like this. Yeah. You know, like this is dangerous. Oh, and this is like this is what's happening dangerous. with like the the young people around right now. Um, I don't know. It's it's very important that we get out and we 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 vote. We have to get out and vote. Um, yeah. I, let's you just really quickly. I know Michael's been on the phone and he wants to talk about voting and new rules. So, Michael, welcome. You're on at Chicago. We got to be real quick today, though. 
Okay, I believe in voting, and I agree with everything you said on the program today. I want to say that 17-year-old kids can vote in the primary elections in Illinois and 23 other states this year, this this month of March. That's when we had the primaries. The 17-year-olds can vote in a primary election if they become 18 years of age by the general election, which is November 2024. If, if a young person can vote in the general election because he's going to be 18 years old then, he could vote in the corresponding primary election in 24 states now. And that includes Illinois. And I would encourage liberal progressive Democrats uh, to get their 17-year-old kids voting. A lot of people don't know this. Right. A lot of people think you've got to be 18 years old to vote in any election. In any election at all, you got to be 18. They haven't heard about the 17-year-old voting thing. It's in uh, 24 states. Now, also, uh, early voting starts in Illinois tomorrow. It starts in Chicago area tomorrow. Early voting at the 50 ward locations. And you don't have to go to the, the ward location that's in your ward. You can go to any one of the 50 locations as if you're a registered voter in Chicago. If you're a registered voter in Chicago, you can go to any one of the 50 ward locations in Chicago. And there's two downtown. There's one at 69 West Washington that's still operating mm -hmm. and has been for one or two weeks. And there's one at 191 North Clark Street. And they're operating downtown. And these 50 locations uh, and the two, it makes it 52, operate from March 4th to March 19th. That's the final day in Illinois to vote, March 19th. All right. Well, hey, Michael, thank you so much for giving that, that very important information and very useful. Uh, and, you know, to, to quote Whitney Houston, I believe the children are in the future. Uh, I do think a lot of the younger generations are, are going to be hopefully turning out um, to get out. Them, we, we need, need them. them. We the need future. them and we need their ideas because they are pretty much aligned with... <laughs> progressive thoughts and progressive ideas. So we, we do have to take a break. Uh, we're going to unpack a little bit more of these uh, yes. bigger issues uh, when Judge Jill Rose Quinn uh, joins us. Uh, so please stick around. You're listening to Out Chicago right here on WCPT. I'm Honey West. Welcome to Out Chicago on WCPT. And welcome back to Out Chicago. Scott Duff here along with Ella Miller rolling along. And this has been a Cuckoo Bananas uh, week uh, legal with all things legalese between SCOTUS uh, agreeing to take Trump's presidential immunity case, Illinois removing Trump from the primary ballot, maybe uh, the whole thing with Fonnie Willis. It's happening, going on, et cetera. It's all overwhelming. So when in doubt. You need to call on the judge. Here comes the judge. Here, Here comes the judge. judge. Here comes the judge. Judge Jill Rose Quinn, welcome back to Out Chicago. Wow, I got an introduction from Latin. I know. Yes. I know. And not many will remember that. How old that. are you guys? Oh, we uh, are ancient. Well, Scott's not as ancient I, as I am. I am ancient on the inside. He's ancient on the inside. He's <laughs> an old soul, and I'm a young soul, so we make we match well. Oh, Judge, <laughs> welcome back to the show. How are you? It's been a minute. Yeah, it has been a minute. I've been good. Um, I don't know if I since I talked to you last time I, uh, where I was sitting. I'm now sitting in domestic relations. Uh, and that's been a really good fit for me. I really enjoy the ability to, to work with people and to help people and, and help kids. 
uh, almost every day. So um, I'm I'm really enjoying my assignment, and I'll probably stick around there for a while. Oh, wonderful, wonderful! We're glad that we have somebody out there looking out for kids. And speaking of kids, let's just let's just start out right there. Um, so. The uh, next Benedict uh, tragedy that, uh, yeah. that that happened in Oklahoma, if people are not familiar with that, there was a, at first it came out as like a non-binary, uh, a gender, a gender fluid uh, human uh, was bullied in Oklahoma uh, in a bathroom. Uh, there was a fight, they were pushed to the floor, uh, and the next day, next died um since the funerals have come out and friends have spoken we've come to realize that next actually preferred he him pronouns so there's like a trans identity that's going on there oh okay there's been well, a i'm oh, sorry there's just been so much anti-trans legislation happening where do you care to weigh in <laughs> like and, and sadly, this is the result of anti-trans uh, yeah. legislation. I mean, these, and and I think we have to look at it as being so disadvantageous to both people. I mean, these other children who who caused uh, Nexus' death, they're going to have to bear that burden for the rest of their lives. Yeah. And 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 needless to say, next next class is is cut uh, cut short. Um, and it's just the the atmosphere. I don't know where these people came from, and I don't know where this this hatred comes from. There's only like there, there are not that many trans and non-binary people. How did we become? How do we rise to a level of such a scourge of society mm-hmm. that laws have to be passed against us? Think of you know think of everywhere in the world where it happens, where a group is singled out. And I'm thinking about Germany, 1930s. Where, where a group is singled out, and let's pass laws against these people. Let's say you don't, you can't use these bathrooms. You can't, you can't have this kind of medical treatment. And and where is that coming from? And and how how cruel that is to inflict that ideology on on children. Children walk around, and a child, three, four, five years old, will play with any other child. <laughs> that yeah. child doesn't say, you're different, I'm not going to play with you, because everybody's different to every child, and every child is open up. But now we've got uh, adults, supposedly adults, and, and legislators uh, making laws that tell children who's a bad child and and, uh, and who's not a bad child. Mm-hmm. That's, it's a disgrace. It's yeah, it is a disgrace. It is, and it's and it's the uh, straight out of the GOP playbook of like organized discontent. It is to organize dis- discontent to create a boogeyman around you know, as you said, with one specific community. Again, a very small number of Americans uh, are trans or non-binary, and as you brought up, what is the threat? Why do we need to pass laws? About this very small part of our population. Uh, Next was just a kid who wanted to get through the day. High school is hard. High school, I cannot, as a former high school teacher at the beginning of social media, I could see how challenging it was just for kids to just get through the day. Uh, I'm remembering back when I was in high school, you know. Back in the dark ages, and but, me knowing like 
which halls I can walk down at what time and which ones I had to avoid, mm. you know, throughout just to just to get through the day. And next was just trying to get through the day. And it, it they got through that one day and then they woke. They were dead. It, yeah. Yeah. And, so, and, the re, and the reaction, the way this was handled, is just awful. Yeah. Uh, first saying, oh, the, car, the, the autopsy says it had nothing to do with, with what's going on, uh, what happened the day before. Uh, and then uh, sneaking out into the, into the media, well, we have to wait to see what, what the toxicology shows. As if you want to say, oh, yeah, let's, let's find out. Maybe, this, uh, maybe next uh, uses drugs and we can blame it on that. Uh, but then days later, you hear things that um, the um, the autopsy isn't that certain, isn't that conclusive. And and why is it? I don't know. Why is this thing suppressed like this? Why is this bungled like this? And it's clear to me that it's bungled like that because there's something they don't they really don't want to tell us yeah. uh, about these kids. They really want to protect those kids that that hurt next. Yeah. Yeah, and they didn't even bring an, uh, a police officer in, you know, when this happened. I mean, next was hospitalized, yet they they were handling it internally, you know. Uh when a crime was obviously committed, when someone is attacked, they're attacked. I mean, right. if, but you know. Right. They feel like uh, right. yeah. It's it's very it's sad on so many levels. My my wife reminded me about how this is just like uh, asking a rape victim, well, what were you wearing that day? Yes. You know? uh, yeah. It's just, it's just shameful. It is. It is shameful. And what can we do? Like, is there anything recourse that we can take, like, as, from a legal perspective? Like, how do we get these anti-trans laws, these anti-LGBTQ laws, how do we, can they be overturned? Like, how do, how do we, the people fight this i'm always i've always thought about um you know national boycotts of these states um and and no one ever talks about that but why why should we you know why should we travel to texas for a vacation why should we travel to any of these places why should we do business with with any of these states uh when they have these awful draconian laws um i think that's one level that that's been um very um very unexplored uh, mm-hmm. I think, um, and, and let me just say this about uh, March, uh, about the primaries and about uh, voting. Uh, neighborhood voting starts on, what, tomorrow or mm-hmm. Tuesday? Yep. Tomorrow. Neighborhood voting, mm-hmm. everybody's got to vote. Everybody's got to get off whatever it is they're doing and just vote. You know, they mail it, vote by mail, go to, you know, vote in the two weeks before election day, vote on election day. But we've got to show that we're a strong electorate. We've got to show that that uh, we're going to vote. The people we know are the representatives that we support. And I can't talk about parties, obviously, right, of course, but the representatives of, of parties that that have um, open minds and that are in favor of, of civil liberties of everyone. Uh, we've got to we've got to tell those uh, those representatives that they need to be tough. They can't we, we can't always, um, you know, we take them the high moral ground, but we can't just say we can't give them the benefit of the doubt anymore. Let's put it that this way. You know, we've got to take a, a hard line in voting when it comes to uh, civil liberties and and uh, and voting rights, especially. Um, we've got to encourage our our uh, our representatives to be strong. Um, you know, we've got to we can give, uh, you know, 
give donations to the various organizations that support um, uh, fighting against anti-trans um, legislature. There's a lot of organizations in this state that help. Um, mm-hmm. Illinois is not such a sanctuary state as it is. That helps a lot, too. Um, uh, since coming to domestic relations, I found that the Uniform Child Custody uh, Jurisdiction Enforcement Act is now being used as a weapon in some states. Um, in in uh, Texas, um, it specifically states that you can bring a child to Texas to, uh, to uh, avoid or define child abuse as being uh, allowing a child to have mm-hmm. gender conforming treatment yep. in, in the state of Texas. Yep. And the parents can know. be and the parents can be uh, charged for it for it. It's, it's oh, my God. OK, exactly. so look, our time together has just flown by. Judge, oh, <laughs> Which, the, uh, you know, uh, we we should have you on for the entire show, but yes, you need you need your Sunday, uh, and I think your your message is is great. We have to get out there. We have to vote because literally people's lives are depending on, on it. Uh, Judge Jill Rose Quinn, thank you so much for taking time out today. Nice uh, to hear from you. Nice as to always. hear from you, and keep keep doing the good work, working for for Illinois. Yeah, don't be a stranger. Okay. And I'm, I'm waiting for the, I'm waiting for my proposal from WCPT leadership for a weekly broadcast. But oh. uh, you know, just send that to my agent. All okay. right, done and done. Good done luck. and done. Thank you, Jill. Uh, Judge Jill Rose Quinn. <laughs> thank you so much. Uh, we've got to take a quick break, and when we come back, it is the second hour about Chicago right here on WCPT. I'd like to welcome you to WCPT AM's Out Chicago. Think of us as Sunday brunch with your gay best friends. Now, please welcome your host, Scott Duff. And welcome back to the second hour of Out Chicago. Scott Duff here along with Ella Miller. Rolling along. Rolling, rolling, rolling. Rolling, rolling. We're going to roll away some of that bad energy. Yes. We're going to get some good energy, creative spirits, creative souls. Uh, A little bit later on the show, we're going to be chatting with one of the stars of Mrs. Doubtfire that's currently doing... uh, here with Broadway in Chicago, uh, Giselle Gutierrez yes. had a, the opportunity to chat I'm with her sorry earlier. I missed that, but I look mm-hmm. forward to hearing you with doing that interview. Well, there we are. And let me tell you, yes. I am trying not to. You know, I get those weird moments where, like, okay, oh, it, no, he I don't might know what cry. You're talking about. He might cry. I don't have any this idea. This might be one of those moments where, like, I might, I might cry. Because it's been a couple weeks since you've had that. It's, since I've had the like crying that. moments. Yeah, yes, so. yeah, there we are. Yes, but uh, look, our our good friend Ginger Minch, who I swear is going to be moving to Chicago any day now, uh, she is launching the Big Gay Cabaret this month at the Venus Cabaret Theater at at the Mercury Theater. Gorgeous yes, space. If you've is. never been there. It is amazing, and you definitely want to go there right now because uh, kicking off the whole new series uh, is a, a big game, a, 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 a game changer, mm-hmm. is what I'm going to say. And I'm trying not to cry right now already. Uh, I'm very excited that we get to chat with uh, right now, uh, Jay Rodriguez. Jay, welcome to the show. Oh my gosh! Now I'm nervous okay. for my own show. Don't no, be don't nervous. Don't, like, don't be he'll nervous. Be fine. He'll be fine, Jay. Don't worry. <laughs> well, this is first of all. I actually the way you just framed the big gay cabaret series. I am kicking it off, which I didn't even correlate. Like I didn't even think of it as like, oh, I'll be the first doing this cabaret series of sort of well-known queer folks who each get a night, or, or in my case, three nights. I guess everyone's doing three. 
I love cabaret. It's different than seeing a concert. It's different than seeing stand-up. It's different than just going to see a traditional musical theater show. You're basically getting someone telling you stories, intimate personal stories, all you know, while peppering in great musical theater and top 40 hits. So it's like I always think like, a, like an incredibly uh, fun and musical first date. Yes. Oh, that is such a great way to put that. Mm, yeah. I love it. And have you been to, uh, have you uh, had a chance to go to the Venus Cabaret Theater yet? No, I have literally only been to Chicago four times. I went once for Oprah. Uh, I went once for like a, I think I got hired at a nightclub. I had a little single out like seven, 16 years ago. They hired me, brought me in for that. And the last time I was there was to see my good friend Wayne Brady flew me out to see him play Burr in Chicago, the musical. I'm sorry, in Hamilton, Hamilton. the musical Hamilton. in Chicago. So this is my fourth visit, and I'll be there in two weeks. And, you know, I don't I, – I realize – so many folks during the pandemic when I would do live shows every day on social media were like, come to Chicago. I just didn't know where to go. So I love that there is a uh, space like the Venus Cabaret that actually caters to artists like myself. And I love it because the audience feels like, oh, I know what I'm getting here. And as the artist, you're like, great. I don't have to, like, you know, do anything mm-hmm. other than show up and give a great show right. because the space supports that. Yeah. So I'm, I'm excited. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a, a it's, it's just gorgeous. It's a beautiful room and it's a, it's a fun room and it's a great part of town. You're going to love it. Mm-hmm. You're going to love it. I'm love excited. It. Uh, so when you're coming into town for the whole big yeah. gay cabaret, uh, you're going to be doing shows from the March 15th through the 17th, which. I think mm-hmm. does that coincide with the Chicago St. Patrick's Day parade? Is that uh, happening? Uh, Fourteen, yes. The pa- the parade will be on Saturday the sixteenth. On 16th. Saturday the sixteenth. All right, hold on oh, to your gosh, butts for you're that. You're gonna see Oof. something you've never Oof. seen before. Okay, Jay. got it. Pack my green yeah. and then walk swiftly or, and with purpose. And watch yes. out for things the next day on yeah, the sidewalk. Green sidewalk. vomit. There's green lots vomit of green vomit green everywhere. Yeah. It's, it's oh, just, got it. Okay, there's that. <laughs> These are the kind of things that Ginger did not sell. Well, she there we go. We got the inside ticket there, Jay. So. So, folks, uh, who might not, like, I'm going to have to, we're going to have to talk about Queer Eye. I'm sorry, we're just going to have to do that. Yeah, let's do I'm, it. I'm sorry, but we'll, we'll get to that in a second, because a lot of people know you from Queer Eye for the straight guy, the original mm-hmm. five, Fab Five. Uh, yeah. But they also know, if they were fans like me, that you are quite the accomplished performer. I mean, you Broadway, you were in Rent, you were the youngest person ever cast as Angel. Like, amazing. Uh, the producers, you know, Zana Don't was happening going on there. When people come to see Jay Rodriguez uh, do Cabaret, what what are they going to be what are, what are, what are we going to be getting into? Them, yeah. yeah, so I think it's, um, I always call it like the rated R Glee version of my life. And even my closest <laughs> friends, even my closest friends who I've known for years here in Los Angeles, because usually I tour, like, I don't even play L.A. usually most times. My closest friends who come and see shows, whether that was just my run at 54 Below this past fall or Palm Springs, San Diego, San Francisco, they always say, I didn't know that. So if my clo- if my besties are like finding out new discovery, and then the second thing is, oh, I didn't know you could sing like that, and that is, you know, listen, I think I'm I'm on shows where I I don't sing, you know, I'm on Uncoupled, we're about to shoot season two. Most of the cast has a Broadway background, so we keep kind of begging and joking that we should do it. You know, or everyone's in a cabaret bar because everyone has 
singing skills from Neil Patrick Harris to Tisha Campbell. And even my husband on Uncoupled and I did Rent together 23 years oh ago. Oh, my gosh. So we were when I found when I looked at the call sheet and found out that I would be married to a former co-star from Rent. I was like, oh, we got this in the back. We know how this is going to be easy. <laughs> but going back to my show. I always say it's like a really beautiful, intimate, listen, it's rated R, leave the kids at home, because it's definitely going to make you laugh, you cry, and if you get aroused, you know, more than four hours, see me after the show. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. I love it. All right. So, we're excited to come see you at Venus Cabaret Theater, Uh, and I think a lot of it is comes down to, uh, uh, I, okay, I have to thank you. Just as a gay man of a certain age, I need to thank you uh, for Queer Eye for the Straight Guy. Um, that show, when it came on in, was it the, when was that? Was it the late night? No, it was 20, 2000. 2003. The show will be 21 years oh old this summer. Gosh. So I have a feeling the show's going to go out and drink. Yes, I think I so. Yeah. I think so. But it. Finally legal. It, how, it was, it was life-changing. It was life-changing for me to go Let me and just, just say thank you for saying that because we didn't have social media. So right. people always sometimes feel apologetic about stopping me to say things like that. I'm like, no, because in these days, you would have just posted on my wall or, or DM'd me. And back then, we didn't have access to people who were enjoying the show. So people's experience of the show was, uh, for me, reserved to like when I'd occasionally run into folks who were fans of the show throughout the years. That's when I've really heard stories from folks about how the show impacted them. And now me and the Queer Eye guys are actually touring a stage show, which I thought was going to be like Comic-Con, like we sat on. No, it's a fully produced actual show. Everyone has a moment doing what they do best. It's multimedia. We just did it um, last uh, December, I believe it was, um, at this casino in Bethlehem, of all places, uh, Pennsylvania. But it was so high tech and so fabulous and so funny. It reminded me that it's been 21 years, and I've never felt that lightning in a bottle moment within a cast as I do with those guys. It all comes right back. The jokes, the humor, the timing, all of it still exists with us, and we want to share that. So we are trying to um, you know, go around to different markets, and, and the hardest right thing right now is aligning schedules for five people. Oh, I can only imagine. But yeah, thank you for saying that because you know I think when we were taking a stroll down memory lane in this show with you know video packages and Q and A from the audience and games and all this kind of stuff, I think all of us started to remember because it's been over two decades, right? Yeah. You go on and it's wow. a part of you, but it's not a part that like you wear on your sleeve and 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 take with you every day. And to be reminded of it when you're in it, y'all, it moves so fast that it was like a whirlwind. You leave, the dust settles, and then you start to feel in your body, wait a minute, I think we just, I think we did something important, but we went into clean toilets and read right. the world of pleated pants. There was no agenda. Yay, pleated pants. It was on See Bravo. Ya. But it was on Bravo. No one was watching Bravo at oh. that time. Is it? So we, did, we literally, I remember the rap party saying goodbye to the guys after season one, be like, it was really nice meeting you. I didn't think there was going to be a season two. I didn't know anything about TV, you know? And all of a sudden, then it was like literally two weeks after it aired, the producers called us into the office, and this is some tea. They literally called us into this office, and there was champagne out. Now, drinking at a meeting was not uncommon at Queer Eye, but (laughs) something, something felt different. 
And I remember thinking, okay, I have like a month and a half, and then I'm going back to rent. I've taken six months off to do, uh, three months off to do this little queer eye thing, and I'm going back to rent. And the producer says, sit down, guys. So you triple the ratings in Bravo's history mm-hmm. ever. Ellen wants you. Oprah wants you. You're shooting the cover of Entertainment Weekly in two days. Like, all this was dropped on us, and that was, like, mentally – I remember, at this point, I'm 24, mm-hmm. and it's it's just – it was – my whole world sort of um, opened. However, if you think back to the show, while it was referenced that I did Broadway and actor and all those things, once I left the show, people were like, oh, no, no, now you want to do that because – you were on reality. And I'm like, no, no, I had an established career. So, right. so cabaret is my story on my terms. It's never mean spirited. It's always funny. I spill lots of tea, a lot of great music. And I think it's like this beautiful, intimate evening with a lot of faces that I haven't, you know, ever met, you know, and, and that to me is, it, it's just a wonderful window in. If I'd had social media, you might've heard about some of these stories. Right. You know? so, Jay, do you do all the writing uh, yourself of, of your show? Or do you have a collaborator? Yeah. So, no, I, I, throughout the years, I've, well, this is the crazy part is that out here, I can't, every year I take out a new show, but because Chicago is new, now I'm getting to like take, this is sort of like a best of. So it's like the best of the cabaret shows that I've done in the past um, 16 years. And the through line is the journey of my life as told by Musical Theater Top 40 and some stories that maybe when I was on Queer, I could probably get me in trouble with Bravo management. You know what I'm saying? But I'm not anymore. So it's been (laughs) two decades. I can spill tea. Um, And so with that, um, I kind of like write it myself. And now the stories... Um, you have to find a way for your stories to feel conversational without them feeling hard scripted. But because I've told them so many times, it does. I mean, I think Broadway World reviewed it like it just feels like you're having a, a, a intimate cocktail with a friend. Um, and I was like, that's high praise because yeah. some of it I do. I do roadmap out. And then other stories, I kind of leave room for like, OK, I'm, I'm not sure how this audience is going to receive that. We will tread lightly there. You know, uh-huh. this fun stuff. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, then you, because you're, now you're doing like comedy and entertainment math in your head. You know, like when Literally. you're in the middle of something, you're like, all right, this is not going to work. We're going to goose this up over here. And then, blah, blah, blah. yeah, I totally there get was, that. I will tell you, I will tell you. So I'm a lot like Celine Dion. I test my things out of the country first. Uh-huh. Just to, yes, you know, yes, whatever. Yes. So you and Celine, Vallarta, that's what I always think of. Like, Vallarta, oh, that's, that's right. the place that's to do That's where it. I would go to like workshop my cabaret during the hol- Christmas, New Year's holiday. And then I would go take it to, into the States because it has a thriving cabaret community there for the the queer folk that vacation there for the holidays. So when they're not at a circuit party, they come see my show. Fine. Right. So I go that night and I wanna I'm playing with the idea of this parody and I wanna do Don't Cry for Me Queer the new queer I had just come out and it was the number one asked question. Why do you think of a new cast, right? And I wanted a way to tell my story how I really felt, but infused comedy. So I did uh, a parody of Don't Cry for Me Argentina, but I said, don't cry for me because of Queer Eye. (laughs) And here's where the audience let me know, because I was looking for a fast, lazy rhyme. The audience let me know that 
lyric will not fly. I sang, don't cry for me, Argentina. The truth is I never liked it. Oh, no. Audience booed. Oh, no. Audience booed. So then I switched it. Now it's, don't cry for me, Argentina. The truth is I, it never left me. All through my twink days, <laughs> my young existence, I got an Emmy that kept my distance. <laughs> audience laughed. So, yes. So, but I had to go through those moments sure. where you know, the truth is, like, what a weird thing for me to say that I never liked it. I did. Like, what was, but I was in the moment. I was overwhelmed with all these emotions and didn't even, it didn't even click to me that what I had said, but the audience let me know. And Ginger and I just had a discussion. She said, in cabaret format, you you can't ever lie because the yeah. audience will know. And it's so true. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's true. Again, it's like it's truth in comedy and truth in storytelling. That is one of the best things about cabaret, that experience, especially in a room that is like as intimate as the Venus Cabaret, it's, you know, you're, you're there, you are, as, as, as you said, a critic claimed, it's like having a, a, a cocktail with a good friend. Um, yeah. And when it really sings, no pun intended, it really sings, you know? And, yeah. I mean, I just love this and I, and I'm, I'm so thankful to Ginger because, you know, since the, the, uh, since drag race, which I love, um, obviously my career started playing a drag queen for half a decade in rent. Um, you know, bookings, like this tend to go to singing queens and so then I end up being maybe if they let me in one of the cis gay guys who gets invited to the party for these kind of events and I was so thankful to Ginger to have me sort of launch this but just for the invitation I was like listen you 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 got like almost a million followers touring the world doing all these productions and and thank you for thinking of me I've always had a soft spot in my heart for her she performed I am what I am recently and I saw it and I and I I uh, we were shooting a telethon when, uh, for Drag is Not a Crime, fundraising for um, you know the Drag Defense Fund, mm-hmm. and I I made it a point to like run through the soundstage to try to find her. It was so moving, and me of all people shouldn't have thought this, but you know when you don't know much about a performer, you know one aspect of them, and then you see them shine in a way that blows your socks off. She did that for me in the number. The way she capped it, you could hear a pin drop. There must have been 70 people on set, and you could just hear a pin drop. Mm. And the way she brought us in, and I was like, that is a star. And I just, I was like, what are you, what are you, oh, you have to sing more. You Are you touring with singing? Like, I literally pulled her aside and was, you know, asking all these questions. And, and I was like, we have to work together one day. And she's like, she said to me, she said, we will, we will. So here we go. And here you go. <laughs> and there you and are. here yeah. you go. Let me tell you, I'm I'm super duper excited that you are finally coming back to Chicago, uh, and yes. this time to like be on stage and let us all like, know. bask in your glow. Uh, and, <laughs> and again, I I I want to say thank you for 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 changing so many things. I mean, I, I can't even imagine what that whirlwind must have been like for you, especially like at 24 and all this, like what's going on. But I feel imp- like the immediate thing was I noticed that the, the men's grooming aisle expanded. Yes. At the CBS. <laughs> there you go. It sure did. It sure did. So that was the fastest change, but, but yeah, but, but, but wait, just so this you- is a good point because 20 years and we're, so, we're it, we've gotten so much progress, but I'm sure y'all talk about this on your show often as far 
as we've come, it's still like, geez, the further you get along, oh, the more resistance you have, have to progress. Yes, indeed. It's We talk about it every week, Jay, because it's the sad truth of the matter. It is, but yeah. fortunately we have people like Trailblazers like you and the other four the, uh, of those guys that you were I mean, coming into. You were five gay men coming into people's homes and being fabulous and funny and kind and showing that gay men can thrive, that gay men can be a source of joy, that gay men can be open and in a relationship. And like it was it, it, I, I, I hope that it, I hope that all of that has landed with you over the years. I think it has now, but like my experience was we did have spaces that didn't want us. Season one, no one wanted to work with us because Mm. the word queer in our title, vendors would not donate furniture. They would not want us shooting in their stores because they didn't know what the minute the show blew up, everybody and their mama, the, the, the places you think in your mind right now, the vendors and the big chain stores that you that now have pride flags and all that did not want to work with us back then. Nope. Season one, the show blows up, and all of a sudden, it's a thing. And I think to to witness that firsthand was really remarkable because it was we, we literally thought this is truth. We literally were trained and directed to create a comedy. Show. It was mirroring locker room humor with us having the upper hand mm-hmm. instead of the straight guy. And in then, and then, mm-hmm. because all of us are like good natured, kind people, just organically, our our main goal was to help this guy out. Yeah. Never in a million years did we expect the first straight guy that we you know finished the episode and we're like you know about to leave his house and he's going to go <laughs> off and do his thing. The producer steps in and says, "Okay, Mr. Straight Person, the guys are leaving. Do you want to say anything to us to them because you won't ever see them again?" And when the first guy said, "Yeah, I just," and he started to cry, oh. it shocked us and we chuckled because we thought he was joking. Mm. That was the first understanding that we had and we felt and saw and witnessed maybe we're doing something beyond just a simple makeover. And I think that's, that really struck a chord. We did not come into the show to make you cry, to tug on heartstrings. We didn't even know that was part of the gig. Right. And when it happened organically and unbeknownst to us snuck in, it shows that when you're authentically yourself, even in front of someone that day one is like, Hey, Oh, don't don't touch me. Yeah. All of a sudden when you just, you can really disarm a person when you have that heart connection that says, I don't want anything from you. I'm just here to help. And suddenly it shifts the air in the room and you have four days or three days with a guy who's never had anyone, certainly not a man, dive into all aspects of his personal life and say, I'm just here to help. That connection is one of the things I think I miss most about doing the show is the ability to open people up and show them a world that they never knew existed and help them live better. I mean, that was really the magical power. And I think the byproduct was you're right. We had, you know, a lot mainly conservative uh, audience. It was a lot of straight folks that were watching the show that at that time would not have voted in our favor mm-hmm. to, for marriage equality. Mm-hmm. However, they welcomed us into private spaces, their living in the bedroom, their kitchen, wherever their TVs were, like as must see TV. 
And slowly through that process, the idea of a queer person or a gay person now had a name yeah. for people who didn't know anybody. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think that's a real testament to that magical time where there really wasn't an agenda as far as the cast was concerned. And so when things started shifting and, you know, I mean, it's, it's wild to think about the access we had back then um, and, and the amount of doors that opened for us and the amount of acceptance and love. And, you know, I think the new cast has seen that, you know, I've seen how much further they can go and and what they're allowed to do and and, and the doors that open for them that weren't even possible Mm -hmm. for us in 2003. And Mm -hmm. I just love that. That's that's progress I can measure, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And again, it all comes down to that lightning in a bottle. Mm -hmm. The chemistry between between the five of you was just Mm -hmm. incredible. Uh, And you you also want to make sure that you can see your own lightning in a bottle when you go and check out Jay Rodriguez as a part of uh, Ginger Mitch's Big Gay Cabaret uh, at the Venus Cabaret Theater. Uh, Jay's going to be in town doing uh, shows the uh, March 15th through the 17th. 17th. Again, watch out for Green Puyuk. Look out. (laughs) Uh, Well noted. (laughs) For tickets uh, and info, you can visit mercurytheatershicago.com or biggaycabaret.com. Jay Rodriguez, thank you so much for taking time out today. It's also all linked in my social media my Instagram is just at J-A-I Rodriguez. You can go to my link tree and the tickets are there too if you forget. But thank you guys for taking the time this morning. I, I guess it's afternoon for y'all, but thank you for taking the time. I appreciate it. Oh, well, and again, thank you for, for everything that you, you have done. It's You've had a profound You're certainly impact. welcome, and I look forward to meeting you in person at the show. I know. Break can't wait leg, to see Jay. you. Can't wait to thank see you Thank you so much. All I appreciate right. it. All right. Have fun, y'all. Thanks, okay, you bye. too. Bye. There goes Jay Rodriguez, and I did not cry. No, you didn't. I'm going to save that really for when I for together. when I go to the cabaret. Yeah, when I go see that, and then I'll just become an unhinged. Bring your hanky. There we are. We are going to take a quick break, and when we come back, there's more out Chicago right after this. Hey, this is Mark Patton, and I'm from Scream Queen, My Nightmare on Elm Street, and you're listening to Out Chicago. Welcome back to Out Chicago. Scott Duffy here and Ella Miller. Here we are. Here we are. Look, here's the thing. You know me. I love me a musical. Yeah, and I love me some Mrs. Doubtfire. Mm-hmm. Uh, and earlier this week, I had a chance to chat with one of the stars of Mrs. Doubtfire, the musical, now yes. playing at Broadway in Chicago, yes. uh, Giselle Gutierrez. Mm-hmm. And here is our little conversation. Ooh, I can't wait. Everyone's favorite Scottish nanny is in Chicago. Mrs. Doubtfire, the new musical comedy now playing at Broadway in Chicago, tells the hysterical and heartfelt story of an out-of-work actor who will do anything for his kids. I love this movie, and you want to make sure you get to go see this musical, because joining us now is the actor who plays the eldest of those kids that dad will do anything for, is Giselle Gutierrez. Giselle, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Oh, my gosh. First of all, congratulations. Uh, the reviews are out. They are all just mwah, 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 mwah. chef's kiss. Yeah. How, <laughs> how are you doing? How is, how is the show going for you? Oh, it's amazing. I really love it here. Um, it's very different than the last couple of cities that we've been in, um, just because it's more of like a city feel to it. And so it's definitely... It's it's really nice to be here. Oh, fabulous! <laughs> Is this your first time to Chicago? 
Yes, it is. Oh, my God. Well, la-di-da. I love that. Well, welcome <laughs> to the city of broad shoulders. Uh, you, <laughs> you, you're still in college, right? Yes. Holy smokes. Yes. How did you get this gig? So um, my high school theater teacher sent me a screenshot of, like, the um, casting, like, the open open virtual call casting uh thing that they posted on Instagram and was like, you look 15, you could do this. <laughs> I was like, okay. <laughs> so I, um, I went on a whim and just decided to submit for it. And uh, like two weeks later, I got the, like an email saying that I got a, a callback and had to be in New York. And so I went to New York and did the callback. And then two weeks later, I found out I, I booked it and it was just an insane experience. I can only imagine. First of all, as, as somebody who was a former high school drama teacher, uh, I mm-hmm. want to say props to that high school teacher for giving you that notice right there. That, oh, yeah. that must have been just like a total whirlwind for you. What was that moment like? Like, oh, I've got to go to New York. And oh, ah, ah, I'm doing this thing. And now what? Like, what was was it just surreal for you or, or what was it like? Well, it was just it was such a sweet experience and like that was my first professional audition also so being oh able to oh my gosh are you kidding me you no know, like, it's insane like being in the room with with these people was already like more than enough and I, I kind of wasn't really expecting anything and so when I went like I saw my first Broadway show and there was just a lot of really cool memories that were surrounded around the callback and so I just like knew in my heart even if I didn't get it I was just so thankful to have gotten this opportunity so early on in my career. Oh, my gosh. Well, okay, now i got to ask, what was your first Broadway show? Moulin Rouge. Oh, all right, because you can, can, can. Oh, yeah, it was amazing. (laughs) All right, so you got the, you landed this gig, which, first of all, congratulations, your first professional audition, first job out. Uh, That's just, hello, flowers all over you right now. Uh, What was the rehearsal process like as you entered into this yeah so um it was very interesting i because i mean we have kids on the show and so it's a lot of preparation and um just building those relationships um that was something that was really important to me because it obviously has to read that like we're siblings (laughs) so um, we went on like a few like lunch dates and like we went and saw a few shows together and that was really fun but the rehearsal process was very long but very fun i i enjoyed every step of it well that's great well what so i think that's awesome because you play lydia the the eldest daughter of yes. of the family uh how wonderful for you to you know and what insight They're like oh wait we need to bond to be a mm-hmm. family right that that's really great and you know uh one of the rare things that's so wonderful about this tour of Mrs. Doubtfire is that Rob McClure, who originated mm-hmm. the role on Broadway, is on the road with you, along with his wife, his real wife <laughs> in the <Yeah>. show. <laughs> but I mean, here you are. He is he was Tony nominated. He's getting amazing reviews. Mm-hmm. What? What have you, I mean, yes, you're still in school, but this, this is like, talk about an education. What, oh my what have yeah. you learned? Like, A, just like from being in that rehearsal room. I mean, we're talking like Jerry Zachs. We're talking big, mm-hmm. big, big people being in the room. And now that you're on, on the road, what, what have you learned uh, 
particularly from from Rob, your your co-star in Mrs. Doubtfire. It's truly like I'm doing a masterclass every single night that I'm on that stage. Yeah. Um, I have never seen a performer who is so in it ever. And so just being able to like act across from him just immediately makes me a better actress because you have no choice but to be in it. Um, and I just, I've learned like not only how to become a better actor, um, but also just like Rob in general is just such a positive light and a positive energy. And so it's definitely something that I strive for to just be as positive and as uplifting as he is. Oh yeah. I I can only imagine just because there's that whole saying, you know, dying is easy. Comedy is hard. Uh, Mm -hmm. and as somebody who, who, who is a comedian who does comedy, uh, the opportunity to watch and learn from somebody who's just so skilled and so deft, the experience has got to be just like, uh, pinch me, you know? Yes, <laughs> every day. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so what, um, I mean, this is your, your professional debut. Uh, mm-hmm. What has been the biggest surprise for you on this journey? Ooh, um, I think how difficult but also amazing tour is. Yeah. Um, I I didn't really know what to expect as I feel like nobody does for their first tour. Right. Um, it's like no amount of preparation could have prepared me for like the wave of emotions that you would feel. Um, and I have like, I've never really like moved around in my life. And so I'm not just, I'm not used to change. And so that was definitely something that I, um, had to grapple with and, and sort of get used to and accustomed to. Um, but I was just surprised at how quickly this cast became a family because you're on the road and you're forced to kind of just be with each other all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just, we got really lucky. Everyone on this, on this tour is just so incredible and amazing. And I just adore them so much. And so it's so much fun to just be able to go across the country with my best friends. Yeah. <laughs> that's a, that's a beautiful way to put that. Mm-hmm. I love that. So, but talk to me a little bit about because you know being on the road is really hard, and mm-hmm. you are you're you're not fifteen, you know, right. you play a fifteen year old, <laughs> but you you know, but and like you said, this is your first time kind of moving around. What what have you found to be like really challenging? Just be like, oh, do you get like homesick or or? Uh, um, it comes in waves, and I. We, I mean, we're fortunate to have been able to work through the holidays, but that was also really difficult. I've never spent a Christmas away from my family. Oh, yeah. And so that was definitely something that was very challenging. Um, but we, we found a way to make everyone feel as if they were home. But I think the biggest thing for me is I don't do really well with change. And so having to consistently change environments has been very difficult for me, especially while doing school, because that's like, I kind of have like my room as like my constant where I do my work and I, you know, and so like not having that was very hard. And so I've, I found ways to have some form of consistency. I found like um, essential oils and having like a very distinct smell in every yep. place has helped a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, just like moving around, it's it's taxing, especially like vocally and physically. Um, like sitting on a plane or sitting in a bus and having to do a show the next day is, is quite tricky. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, wait, I have to go back. You're wait. So you are still actively in school. You're. Yeah. Oh my yeah. gosh. Wait, what? Yeah. 
Yeah, I um, I dropped my BFA, um, and I'm currently doing entertainment management. Okay. All right. And how? Mm-hmm. So you're doing eight shows a week plus schoolwork. Yeah. And <laughs> okay, how are you holding up? <laughs> I'm trying. I'm trying so hard. <laughs> I mean, I kind of did this to myself, and I'm I'm used to the workload. Um, I really pushed myself in in high school, and I was dual enrolled, and I was also taking AP classes. So I'm like used to a big workload, but it's just hard when this is your career. Yeah, <laughs> like, I mean, this you is have like... to make sure. Yeah, you just it's it's definitely taken some time to figure out that work school balance, but I think I've, I've gotten a pretty good grasp on it to the bar. All right. Oh, well, I snaps to you is what I'm doing right there. That That's amazing, because I know how hard eight shows a week can be, especially when you're like you're changing cities, as you said. I'm so glad that you discovered the whole like essential oils thing, because uh, I would be like, mm-hmm. you need to travel with a little travel candle so you can light it in your room yeah. and have the same smell wherever you go. Like, that is such yeah. a huge thing like to ground you. What else grounds mm-hmm. you when you're, I mean, you seem like you 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 pretty much are a well-grounded human being if you're like all right I'm doing my classes I'm doing eight shows a week I'm traveling the country what else do you find is kind of a way to be like all right that centers you or do you have what do you do in your downtime have you been able to explore Chicago yeah um I we've actually explored quite a bit I've been running along the river and it's been beautiful um but I think I travel with my guitar I'm a singer-songwriter as well and so I find like any time that I have really big emotions, songwriting is the way that I can kind of get it out because um, I, I can't really like speak it well, but I can write it well. And so um, just having my guitar with me and like any time that I'm feeling overwhelmed or any time that I'm like distressed or anything, I'll, I'll set whatever I'm doing aside, pick up my guitar, and then I immediately just feel a release. Um, and so that's been the biggest thing. And it's been a huge priority of me to make sure that I have my guitar with me. Like a lot of people travel with two suitcases, but I travel with one suitcase and my guitar is my carry on. Yes. Like, I just need- well, you know, I'm really sad that my co-host wasn't able to join us today because she is a she always travels with at least five harmonicas. She's a blues <laughs> blues harmonica player and she always has them. So I'm sure you two could just jibber jabber on for days about the importance of that sort of music outlet um when when do you remember the very first time you actually saw the movie mrs doubtfire yeah it funny story i had never seen it before i auditioned for the show oh okay Um, and so when i received my callback i was like i should really watch this movie yes um I sat down with my parents, and my parents have loved the movie since they were young. Um, and so it was really, it was a beautiful experience to have them experience me watching it for the first time and also, like, envisioning me in this role that they had adored for so long. Um, it was it was really sweet, and it was fun. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, the movie, some people will say that it doesn't age well, that there's, mm-hmm. like, there, there's some anti-trans undertones that are going in there, but, you know, I can see there's part of that. But I think what happens with the overall message of the play, the, of the play, well, I'm sure the play, too, but the movie, mm-hmm. uh, which was my experience, you know, A, Robin Williams can do no wrong in, in my book, <laughs> you know, but the story of of 
a dad who really will move heaven and earth, like who will go in disguise just so he can spend time with his kids is something mm-hmm. that really resonates with me in particularly um, yeah. when when folks come to see this show, which is just a rollicking good time. It is like full on farce, costume changes, you know, everything happening. What mm-hmm. do you hope people uh, take with them after they see Mrs. Doubtfire that's now here at Broadway in Chicago? I just hope that they understand that love comes in all shapes and sizes and it looks different for everybody. There's a, a really beautiful speech at the end of the show that Mrs. Doubtfire um, gives. And it's if, if, you're, if you go and see it, like really pay attention to that because I think it says it all right there. But like everything's going to be okay as long as there's love and no matter like the ups and the downs, like as long as you have that, then you're then you're set. Uh, yes, amen to that. Amen to mm-hmm. that. Uh, do you have a particular like a favorite moment in the show? Yeah, um, so I have a, a duet at, uh, close to the end of the show with Rob. It's called Just Pretend um, between Lydia and Daniel, and it is truly like it's such a beautiful song, and it's it's the kind of the end of the character arc for Lydia, and it, it just provides a really beautiful resolution between the two characters, and I just. I always look forward to getting to that point in the show. Oh, I love that. I love that. Well, you know, again, congratulations. I mean, you're doing it all. You're you're eight shows a week. You're you're doing school at the same time. <laughs> you're seeing the country. Um <laughs> What an incredible experience uh, for you at this time in your life. I'm I'm truly jealous and very, very excited for you. Um, And congratulations again on all of the incredible reviews that Mrs. Doubtfire is getting here. Uh, You want to make sure that you don't miss Mrs. Doubtfire that's now playing at Broadway in Chicago's James M. Niederlander. Whoa, I can't talk. James M. (laughs) Niederlander Theater through March 10th. For tickets, go to broadwayinchicago.com. Um, uh, Giselle Gutierrez, thank you so much for joining us today and uh, much continued success for you. The world is your thank oyster. You. <laughs> thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Tom Hartman. The Republican Party basically has no purpose, has no moral standing, has no core value. Welcome back. I'm improviser Matthew Van Colton. You're listening to Out Chicago on WCPT 820. Welcome back to Out Chicago. Scott Duff here and mm-hmm. Helen Miller with the final thrilling show-stopping moments that Indeed. are happening right now. Yes, they are. Uh, look, I, I got to dip my toe back into like the awful stuff that's happening yeah. uh, going on around here. Uh in these United States. Yeah. So uh, Republican state senators in Georgia on Thursday, <laughs> mm-hmm. they passed a bill that would force state libraries to cut ties with, hold on, the American Library Association. State libraries can no longer be affiliated with the American Library Association. Uh, Senate Bill 390 was passed by a vote of 33 to 20 vote with no support from Democratic senators. Uh, The bill's supporters cited that the ALA's progressive policies um, 
was just motivated the, the whole uh, uh, legislation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, so basically, what it says is that no county, municipality, school district, authority, division, instrumentality, political subdivision, or public body, uh, corporate created under the Constitution or laws of this state, blah blah blah, shall be authorized to use any taxpayer or privately donated funds on materials, services, or operations offered by the American Library Association or any of its affiliates. That's the language there. Uh, and that's basically because they, the American Library Association believes in uh, highlighting stories of uh, LGBTQ folks and, and BIPOC folks. Gobsmacked. Oh, man. I mean, they are pulling away from this. So it's it's... That is something that uh, this is happening again. We were talking about going out and voting, and this is this is a very important yeah, thing. People because don't they are ignore now, local elections. They're please. now banning books or banning associations with the American Library Association. What? So, on that note, I thought I would share some books that yes, I've just please read. Do. So, when I when I get to go on vacation. Uh, I unplug and I'd plug in. Let me tell you, first of all, I have to thank Kathy Cunningham, who is a regular mm-hmm. listener mm-hmm. and a friend of mine, uh, who sent me this book, The Gunkle by Stephen Rowley. There we are, if you can see it right there. Yes. The Gunkle. Yeah. This is the most delightful read on the planet. I was laughing out loud. It is a story of, uh, uh, what's the Patrick? Yeah. Patrick, they call him Gup, for Gay Uncle Patrick. Uh, he is a uh, he was on a like he was an uh, he's an actor, television actor, had big fame. He lives in Palm Springs, and his uh, sister in law passes away, and he has to take the kids for a summer. His two a niece and a nephew, uh, ages like six and nine, mm-hmm. and it's about them coming together as a family. It's about uh, celebration of being different and of being unique mm-hmm. uh it is so freaking funny and and very very heartfelt yeah, and very very touching. Like touching so yeah. i think everybody you should go out and buy a copy of the gunkle is it a banned book i hope not oh, i don't think it is a banned Good. book you know oh no those they're the, let's go get tony morrison yeah let's go do you know and it if it's a black author, if it's a yeah. queer author, there we are. It's right. going to be banned. I, d- I doubt this is banned, but mm-hmm. I also think it's probably not going to be uh, flying onto the shelves in Georgia. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, no, sounds like but it uh, but it is an absolute nice. lovely read. And the That's entire a nice time, I, for yeah, the entire time I was reading, I'm like, this could make a great like TV show, like, oh, a, like an HBO yeah. kind of thing. Because it's wonderful. The characters are funny. They're hilarious. It's very very touching. And they happen. There you were a couple times I got a little. I'm a little too old. I think. Oh. And I think I'm a little too old. And to I would me, have to you're go always on a big young because well, you're younger thank than you. me. Thank you. But, uh, yeah, I would have to go on a diet. Well, I need to do that, too. Oh, you don't need to. You yeah, look amazing. We both look amazing. We look incredible. Uh, but speaking of food, yeah. I also, my one of my favorite writers of all time is Ruth Reichel. She was the uh, editor-in-chief of Gourmet Magazine. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's popped up all over. This one is called Save Me the Plums. I've read almost all of her memoirs. And I'm realizing that I've read them out of order. Oh, well. Because like Sapphire, well, no, not really. Because like Sapphire and Garlic is her leaving LA Mm -hmm. and moving to New York to become the restaurant critic for the New York Times. Mm -hmm. And her time there, where, you know, 
Do you know all about her stories? I don't. Girl, you need to read these. I mean, she's a wonderful writer. She's very elegant uh, and has a wonderful, like, brilliant She incorporates sort of, food into them? Yes, actually, th- with a lot of her books. This one, at the end of some of the ch- key chapters, there's, like, recipes for, like, you know, spicy Chinese noodles mm. that she'll just throw in there. Get hungry while you're reading. You totally get hungry. But, like, when she was a uh, restaurant critic for the New York Times, she took so much great pains to hide her identity because so people wouldn't, you know, put on the airs for her. Like she had right. disguises. Right, when she went out to restaurants. And she, like fake yeah. noses yeah. and stuff. Oh, so that wow. was, Sapphires and Garlic was her um, becoming the restaurant critic at the New York Times. This one, Save Me the Plums, is when she becomes the editor-in-chief of uh, Gourmet and going from being a restaurant critic to being somebody who is like writing about the cooking of yeah. food and the food and thing. Delightful, wonderful. And then her other book, My Kitchen Year, which was, uh, I think, my first introduction to her writing is when it was the year after Condé Nast closed Gourmet and how she kind of had to like work her way mm. through something that had been a big part yeah, of her identity. Like anybody that goes through, yeah, when something you know? ends like that. And that one is chock full of recipes. But if you if you enjoy food, if you enjoy cooking, if you enjoy it, she's very, just a lovely, great voice. So she's no longer with the New York Times. No, 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 no. no. She, yeah, a long time ago. Yeah, she left there to go to Gourmet Magazine, then she Gourmet she both. shut okay, down. Yeah. Yeah. Gourmet was great. I love gourmet. Now she pops up on like Top Chef and everything, like as guest judges. And, oh, I probably stuff. yeah, I probably you've seen her. Oh, yeah, yeah, because I she watched. She was also uh, when gourmet was still around. She, there was like a gourmet travel show, with, and she was like hosting it. And mm. she she's just wonderful and just kind of a little hippy dippy kind of kind of gal. And she was like, "Oh, we're gonna go ready for like for silkworm putti." I'm like, "Ooh, just stick around because we're gonna find out more about silkworm putti." And I'm like, "What is silkworm putti?" Yeah, what I'm is there. it? I don't know. It is tea made from silkworm poo. It is silkworm. Oh, you said poo. I thought you were saying something like putti. That's so what I was thinking like too. I know. Tea. tea, yes. Oh my God! I hope. I'm glad this is afternoon. There we are. Yes, people are having their breakfast. There right we now. are, or having their their lovely cup of coffee or a little silkworm. Did I ever tea. tell you my Craig Claiborne story? Do you know who he was? No. He was a New York Times critic for many many years. Uh-huh. Food, and, restaurant, or food, oh, okay. food, food critic. Yeah, and uh, restaurant critic, food journalist, book author. Uh-huh, um, uh-huh. If you look at the old New York Times cookbooks, they're all Craig Claiborne. Many years ago, when I was with my first partner, uh, female partner. I won't even mention her name because we don't talk about her anymore. All right, yeah. But I was at Bennigan's on Michigan Avenue. and <laughs> I know, because we are me. I know. And sitting next to me, I start this conversation with this older gentleman. He was in town for the restaurant show. It turns out he had a cookbook that he was, was Craig Claiborne, the infamous Craig Claiborne. And he orders, I would like, I was there for a drink. I would never touch the food. He orders a giant plate of nachos uh-huh. and he, I go you like oh yeah they, they have the best nachos <laughs> kidding me New York try, I d- didn't even want to eat the nachos there but we started to conversing uh, I told him he loves Greece I turned out I was Greek he gave me his business card and his home phone number and told me anytime I was in New York to give him a call of course I didn't get the chance to do that he passed away in 2000 and this was, well, this was actually 88, 88 89. Yeah, been a while ago. But uh, it was just, to All me, right. it, it was happens. The fact that he was ordering nachos, this esteemed 
New York Times. Hey man, <laughs> look, Bennigan's they were their blues busters, and they are they're going to give you some good nachos. They're going to give you some good nachos. Some good you just nachos. never know what you're going to find in this world. There so. you go, and you'll never know what you're going to find right here on Out Chicago, which brings us to the end of another yes, one. Does. I want to thank our guests, Judge Jill Rose Quinn, uh, Jay Rodriguez, and uh, Giselle Gutierrez. Tevin, thank you so much for running the show like a pro. Paul, thank you, and happy belated birthday, Paul. Happy belated birthday, Pisces boy. Come on, Pisces. Uh, Ellen, welcome back. So <laughs> glad to be back. back Thank Scott, you, you so too. much. Thank you so much. And I'm Scott Duff. And until next week, stay, stay proud. proud.